I'm Trudy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Grace. And we are the Book Hoes. In this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the new Netflix show, season one of Shadow and Bone, um, which is based off of the first book in the Grisha trilogy, Shadow and Bone, and the first book in the Six of Crows duology, Six of Crows. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into all of that, including some spoiler-free discussion and then some more where we talk about the we talk about it with spoilers, and then we will also talk about some book spoilers as well, so because we, we can compare what we saw in the show versus what was going on in the books. But before all of that, let's talk about what we've been reading this week. Grace, what did you read this week? This week, I finished Six of Crows. I know last week I said I wasn't sure if I would finish it before the show. I did. I finished the whole thing Thursday, and the show dropped Friday. So I finished it in time to watch some of it on Friday, and then I finished the show on Saturday. Um, great time i i i it was great i think i gave it five stars i feel like i kind of wish i i wish that i had read it at a time in my life where i wasn't distracted by so many things because i think i would have enjoyed it more but i mm-hmm. still really enjoyed it and um that's partly why i am like only a little bit into crooked kingdom so far because my semester ends i'll have enough time to like really devote myself to the book then mm-hmm. so that's why I'm slow. So, but I have started Cricket Kingdom and so far it is good. It is good. I'm only four chapters in, but I was reading it today at work and I was like, you gotta, you gotta be normal. You're in public, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, stuff was happening. Stuff was happening. Um, and yeah, a great time all around. I'm sure we'll just further discuss these things at a later time, but that's all I'll say for now. Good, good times. Good times. Um, Sarah, what have you been reading? I've only been reading, so I started reading Twice Shy last week, like I mentioned, and I've only read, I have, I actually only, I think I'm two thirds of the way through, so I only have a hundred pages left. I read like a hundred more pages this week. I would have read more. I meant to finish it this week, but um, I was distracted by the Shadow and Bone show all week. So um, I did not do that. But now I've watched it, you know, I've thought about it, I've processed it. And I've been reading last night, I read a ton of Toy Shy and it is so good. It's so fun. And just like, I love the way Sarah Hogel writes characters, especially like the main characters, how we get to like, I don't know, I just love reading from, I loved reading from Naomi's perspective. I love reading from, oh, Mabel's perspective too. Toy Shy is amazing so far, and you all should definitely read along and join in for our discussion episode that comes out on May 17th. So you should send us our thoughts, your thoughts before that date, and we can talk about them in the episode. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I've been reading this week. I plan to actually finish it hopefully tonight. So I'm very excited. Shruti, what did you read this week? Um, so I also finished Six of Crows this week um, before the Netflix show. Um, as Grace mentioned, great time, loved it five stars. Um, we will talk more about this shortly in a bit uh, in, in the future. Um, but I definitely really loved it. I have not started Cricket Kingdom yet. That is my next book. But I did, however, start, well, actually, first I finished The Beat Match by Kelly Siskand, which I had talked about last week. Um, this was okay. I kind of would give, I gave it four stars, but it's really like a 3.5-ish range. Um, it was cute. I love my friend. I love a good friends to lovers. Um, I kind of liked the element of um, the hero's best friend being the heroine's older brother and he had passed away but the reason the like story behind his death he was lying about so like there was that tension to it 
Um, but I just felt like he was a little bit too possessive. I don't know. It was like a little bit too bossy for me. Like I'm okay with a good bossy hero every now and then, but he was just like too much for me at times. Um, but I did like the DJing part of it. I thought that was really cool. And it led some, to like some really good scenes of them, like DJing together and like making out at the same time. Great stuff. Um, so that was fun. And then I started the dating plan by Sarah Desai. Finally. Um, I was very happy last year when I read the marriage game also by Sarah Desai. This one is very different in that it's, um, one is interracial. So the hero is a, is from like an Irish family. Um, and it's a little bit more, this one still also has a little bit of enemies to lovers vibes in it. Um, but they also have like a second chance situation going on since they knew each other when they were like childhood friends. So it's really like a childhood friends, enemies to lovers situation. So that's always a fun time. See, that, is always a fun, that is always a fun time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm like halfway through right now. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's getting to like the cute bits where they're like fake dating, but like starting to feel things. So that's always a great moment in a fake dating um, situation. So I'm very excited for more. I always love a good, I love it when you get like the random basey things in there, like talking all about this food, which of course is great because then it gets me hungry and I want the food. Um, and then talking about like all of the different like Sharmani's and like the different langas and all like the outfits and stuff is really fun because her, her cousin's getting married. So they're talking about like wedding outfits. So yeah, I really, I'm really having a good time so far. Um, really the only reason why I'm not done with it is because I was, my brain was being overtaken by shadow and bone all weekend. So that is why. So, <laughs> but I do plan on finishing it and then starting Crooked Kingdom because again, shadow and bone, my brain is just hyper fixating. So there we go. Yeah. I like the dating plan too. That was a fun book. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And, uh, to finish it. She also loved that. She loved the Avengers too. That was fun. Oh yes, she's like a huge Marvel mm-hmm. fan. Yeah, that's yeah. really fun. There's a there's a scene where she is um so she's getting ready for bed. So she's wearing like Iron Man uh, Iron Man bra. And uh, naturally, because they fall asleep on the couch cuddling together, the next morning they're making out. Um and he like strips her and like she's like wearing a Iron Man bra and makes a joke about like, I don't think I can perform because Iron Man is watching me and it's hilarious. So, is the is this time. part of the is it part of the Guardians of the Galaxy literary universe though? Nope. Damn. She doesn't mention Guardians, only the main (sighs) Avengers. It's okay. We don't, we can't, we can't all have taste. I have a book checked out from the library actually, but I haven't, I have not started it because I'm distracted by Six of Crows and all of the other things in life. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I mean, like life is really hard and exhausting right now. So that's the other reason why I'm a little upset. I think I want to reread Six of Crows later on, maybe like over a summer, a break when I'm not like overwhelmed because I feel like I will enjoy it more. Although I did really enjoy it and I found myself, I went through that second half way faster than I went through the first half, which makes sense because the second half is way more action-y and like the chapters are shorter to help you with that as well. So, yeah, I think I read the second half all on Thursday, (laughs) but I also listened to part of it, which is partly why, partly why. Yeah, same. Yeah. So that's the same thing. So with that, we will start our discussion of Shadow and Bone, the first season. Um, First, we're going to have a discussion about it without any spoilers. So just kind of setting the table of how we felt about it. Um, but then we will talk, we'll delve more into some spoilers for the whole season. And then also some spoilers maybe into the books as well, including future books. So, okay. So first we're going to talk about our feelings just in general. So who wants to go first? I'll go first because I have been on a roller coaster with the show since it was first announced. 
Um, it was, I still remember, like, I feel like I have like a flashbulb memory of when they announced it because I was like excited, but I was like, oh my God, what are they going to do? What are they going to do to my favorite characters? Um, but I'm happy to say that even though I had a little bit of a roller coaster getting there, I did end up enjoying the show very much. Um, I was pleasantly surprised at how well done it was and even how well it stuck to, I, I mean, the Shadow and Bone book, but even parts of Six of Crows were really well incorporated, in my opinion. Um, it wasn't perfect, obviously. It had, you know, some flaws, some things that could have been better. But overall, I had so much fun watching it. Um, my favorite part, I think I didn't expect to love all of the characters from both series coming together as much as I did but I really did love it. And it made me so happy. And um, I'll give, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into too much detail now because we'll go more in depth in the spoilery sections, but overall I was really happy with, with the, with the adaptation. I was, like I said, I was obsessed with it all weekend. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, I'm still kind of like in the phase and I'm definitely going to reread uh, Six of Crows. Like I planned to after the show, it made me really excited to do that. So yeah, those are just my overall thoughts. What about you guys? I also had a very good time. It was very enjoyable. Um, I think it looked good, like aesthetically, like I think they did some good job, a, a good job with the CGI and stuff, except for at times I was like, eh, but most of the time it looked good. I think the sets looked good. And I think the costumes looked good too. There's this one shot and this is in like the first episode, I think. So I'm going to talk about it. There's this one shot in when they're on the ship going into the um, the fold and the Volker show up and like this Volker like stands up behind this guy, like really tall and scary. And it was so cool. And I was immediately like, this is going to be good. This is going to be some good stuff. And it was, I enjoyed the whole show, but I got to say, I feel like I would not have enjoyed it as much as I did if they had not included the crows. Like I think they were, I think Kaz and Edge and mm -hmm. Jesper were definitely the best part. Like not mm -hmm. that I have no hate. I think all, everyone did a good job. The cast was good. Had a great time with everyone. Everyone is very hot, which was also very nice. <laughs> that um, is true. But anytime like Kaz and Edge and Jesper were on screen, I was like, let's go. Let's go. I'm fully paying attention. I was paying attention before, but now I'm fully paying attention. And I was like, I know I'm about to have a good time. Let's go. And I did. I did every single time. Um, had a great time. I actually just rewatched the finale before this because I wanted to refresh my memory in case I forgot because my brain is worms. And it was a good time. I think the finale was my favorite. I keep saying it's a good time. But the finale was definitely my favorite part. I also enjoyed watching all of the characters interact. And I also want to give a shout out to my favorite character, who is Milo the Goat. Um, <laughs> I ordered a sticker of Milo Insular. the Goat before this, and um, I am a Milo the Goat stan. I think so, Milo stole the show. I think we all should be. Yeah. Milo oh, I did... don't know if you guys knew this. So Milo the Goat had a Twitter account. Today he was suspended. Someone I suspended know. Milo the Goat. I didn't I know. know he had a Twitter account, but I did know that it got suspended somehow. <laughs> I saw that news, but I didn't see the news of the creation of the Twitter Justice for Milo. Yes, I agree. Um, but yeah, those are my overall thoughts. We'll probably get into like the more specific like things that I had thoughts about, but those are my overall thoughts. It was a good time. I quite enjoyed it. Yes, so I definitely agree. I also really had a very good time. Um, I enjoyed it. I think 
so I think I, of, of the three of us, I enjoyed the tr- Grisha trilogy the most, probably, I would say, as yeah. the three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into it, I also obviously enjoyed Six of Crows, so I knew that part. I already knew that I was going to enjoy the Crows no matter what happened, like, unless they completely botched it, which they did not, which I was very happy to see. Um, so I was very much, so I, th- those scenes were great, as Grace mentioned, and I do think they were the highlight, for sure. Um, but I was, so the Shadow and Bone part was the part that I was a bit more worried about, because the first book is pretty boring. Um, but I thought they did a really good job of stretching out the stuff that wasn't boring. Like the whole first episode is really only the first chapter of the book. So I thought they did a really great job of picking and choosing the right stuff, adding in new things that needed to be added in, um, and just overall enhancing the story while still staying faithful to the general like plot line of the first book. So I thought I really, I really enjoyed it. I really, really loved the characters, um, some more than others. So we'll get into that. Um, but I overall, I enjoyed it. And I think number one, I think the main reason why I was really enjoying this, the, I enjoy this first season was one, I think because I had read the books. So my first take of the day is that I think this show is more enjoyable if you have read the books. And I think it's because one, there's a lot of world building that they don't really do a great job of in show. Um, so I think by having that background knowledge, it just makes things way less confusing and like all of the characters and all of that stuff, just way more interesting. Plus there is a ton of like little subtle plot points and stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about that you would not have noticed if you were, had not already had read the books and known some of the backstories of the characters and especially the crows. Um, and I think and that made some, it more enjoyable for some people, even if you have read the books, you wouldn't have noticed them. So, you know. <laughs> Just keep that right, in which, mind. Oh my god, that's also true. Um, we'll talk about some that Grace did not notice that I was yeah, like, Grace, we will. what is wrong with you? <laughs> but yeah, so I think no, having read the books definitely makes the show way more enjoyable. So I do recommend that if you have not watched it yet and you're thinking about it, I would would recommend reading at least Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows first, just to get like a little bit of a background knowledge. There is, I think, like a video that like gives them like a crash course. But again, the book is always helpful. Um, the second thing I my overall opinion on this, um, and I'm surprised Grace didn't say it, was last time or two weeks ago when we talked about the Grisha trilogy, Grace wisely compared the Grisha trilogy to the Avengers. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what you're going to say. And I said this to you. You also said it, but Grace was the one who came up with the analogy. I did. I did. The initial (laughs) analogy was mine. Copyright and Grace. Yes. But then I told Trudy the addition to the analogy that I came up with. Correct. And that's, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So Grace compared the Grisha trilogy to the Avengers. And she, and then she said Six of Crows is like um, Guardians of the Galaxy because they're very found family. A lot, the character is a little bit more richer. And Sarah then. So true. So true. Very true. So then after we finished watching, Sarah texts me. It's like, it's almost as if this show was like Avengers Infinity War. And I was like, wait a minute, you are correct. And I would just like everyone to know, Grace then tweeted this and it's probably our most popular tweet. I don't know if it's our most popular, but it's definitely garnered more attention than some of our other tweets lately. So I I did did... not know we tweeted this. I have barely been on Twitter all week. And when (laughs) I I do go on. I texted us. I texted our (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I only read about half of those texts. I was out to dinner. I saw 41 (laughs) texts from the book host. I was like, I'm happy for y'all. Or sorry what happened. Today? Did you text it today? Yeah. Yes. I was at work today. Oh, okay. That's why. No, <laughs> I'll have to go back and look. Point is, is that I think we did not realize how well our analogy would actually come into fruition until watching the show. And I think my main point here is, as a found family stand, 
there's really nothing better than getting to love a bunch of different characters who all have very different dynamics. And if you're like a, and if you're a romance hoe like me and you like different tropes, you get one of basically every single trope. Plus you get a lovely found family squad and really there is no other better thing. So I love winning. And that is my final conclusion. It really did. Like watching the characters interact really mm-hmm. does give you the same buzz as watching it Infinity War. <laughs> such a high that I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting because going in, I remember, I'm pretty sure I said this in a previous episode. I was like, why are they even bringing in the crows? Why can't they leave them alone? And then Trudy brought up a good point. Again, I can't remember if this was on the podcast or like talking separately, but she said that the Grisha trilogy on its own would have made for kind of like a boring show. And I agree. Yeah. With that. But I was still kind of like, why do they have to like bring them into this but they I don't know they did it so they did it in the best way that they could in this type of situation like obviously would I prefer just a straight up six of crows adaptation yes but I really did enjoy this so much I think they did it like I said the best that they could in this scenario they had I don't I don't think any of them were out of character or anything even though it was a little bit of like fan fiction kind of backstory yeah. for three of them Nina and Matthias Matthias I've always said it Matthias but they said it like Matthias in the show I was like okay whatever. they say it Matthias in the audiobook too oh okay yeah. whatever um <laughs> Matthias is uh he he and Nina's storyline was like exactly like straight out of the book and I love that and then Kaz Inej and Jesper were kind of um I I don't I kind of like Fan, fan fiction into the into the Grisha trilogy which I thought was really fun um and like I said I have been you know everyone knows I love Six of Crows it's my favorite book of all time and I have had such like like vivid pictures of them in my mind ever since I read the book so I was the hardest sell for me in terms of casting was Freddie Carter as Kaz I was not completely sold on him I'm still not completely sold on him but I think he did a pretty good job at the by the end of the show I was like okay I'm okay with this the other thing that really threw me for a loop was Grace had mentioned before I think in a previous episode again that they have British accents and she you asked like oh what it what are you guys okay with that I was like yeah I'm not gonna care when I started watching that first episode it threw me off I did not expect it to Mm -hmm. it really threw me off um, again, I got used to it as the show went on, but especially Freddie as Kaz, I was like, Kaz doesn't have a British accent. Like, this is weird. But again, I got used to it. Um, and then going back to what Trudy said about how, if you haven't read the books, you might not appreciate the show, be able to appreciate the show as much because there's so much there that they don't really, they, so in the first episode, they kind of just throw you right into everything without any explanation. They do explain things as the show goes on a little bit, but you don't really get the full picture unless you've read the books. And I definitely got that impression too. I wasn't mad about it because it feels like it was an adaptation made for fans of the books. Like it really felt mm-hmm. like they made more of an effort to make fans of the books happy than like the general public, which is rare for an adaptation. Not, is it good necessarily? I don't know. But for me, it worked out. And I did have my boyfriend watch the first episode um, last weekend when I saw him because I was going to make him watch it anyway. But also I was curious because he's <laughs> never read the books. He knows like vague ideas about them because obviously I've told him about Six of Crows. Um, but he was 
pretty confused. I had to, we had to like pause and I had to kind of catch him up on what was going on at some points. And um, I guess you can, you can like watch the show without having read the books, but you just get so much more background knowledge when you've read the books. Another thing that uh, someone messaged us on Instagram about, Allison messaged us, that uh, she had a friend who watched the show and was confused about how big the fold is supposed to be. And I was kind of confused about that too, because they said it would take four months to go around the fold, but like the markers was confusing. So I think they could have done a better job explaining that to, especially for people who haven't read the book. Which I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad you brought up the your boyfriend watching with you because I forgot to mention. So I watched the first two episodes by myself, <laughs> but I watched the in my room. And then the next day I was washing my sheets and I could not sit in my bed. So I had to watch the rest of the show on my couch in the living room where people live. And so my sister was coming in and out. My mom was coming in and out. And they were like half watching, half not. And so I kept having to explain what was going on to them. And my sister was, my mom was like, isn't that guy from Narnia? And I was like, yeah, mom, that's the guy from Narnia. And my sister was like, would come in. She was like, wait, I thought the guy from Narnia was like hooking up with that girl. I was like, no, he's evil. You missed that episode. (laughs) And so I kept having to explain it. And she also like would sit next to me sometimes. And anytime I picked on my phone, she was like, damn, are you going to tweet about everything? And I was like, just leave me alone. She also would like, when I would get excited about stuff, she was like, haven't you read the books? I was like, yes, Madeline, but I'm witnessing it with my eyes. And something exactly. different. It's exactly. different. This is different from the books. Let me get excited. God damn. Like, leave me alone. So and that was an interesting experience for me as well. <laughs> yeah, right. I was so curious just like seeing someone's opinion who hasn't read the book. And my friend, speaking of Ben Barnes, my friend texted me on Friday. You've read the book Shadow and Bone, right? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Yes, I have. Why do you ask? Because I knew she likes Ben Barnes. And she's like, well, Ben oh, Barnes are. is in a Netflix show. And I'm pretty sure you've read the book. And I was like, yes, it does happen to be based on one of my favorite books of all time, Six of Crows and Shadow and Bone, but mostly Six of Crows. And she watched it too. She finished it this weekend. And she said it was good, but she was also confused. But she enjoyed Ben Barnes, even though he was the bad guy. That was her review. So. I think that's I mean, a that's solid valid. review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think to close up our our starting thoughts here so we can start delving into some spoilers, um, I would say just to bring up another book, recent book adaptation on Netflix, whereas Shadow and Bone, I think, is better if you have read the books. Bridgerton, meanwhile, I feel like was better if you had not. I feel like those are two shows where Bridgerton was was targeted to an audience of people who had not read the books before and were kind of like maybe new to historical romance and kind of just that idea because also they changed the tone of that show, but that's a whole other conversation altogether versus with Shadow and Bone, it was very much an adaptation for book readers like Sarah had mentioned earlier. I feel like it's way more enjoyable if you have read the books and kind of know a little bit about it um, because it is, I think at the end of the day, a different version of the books because things have changed and we'll talk about that. Um, but still keeping faithful to the general vibes, I would say. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, especially because Bridgerton is so like, I mean, whether they intended for it to be popular for the general audience or not, it worked and it is like a household, like everyone watches it, da da da. I I mean, I guess it's too too it's too soon to tell for Shadow and Bone, but I don't really think that we're gonna get that same reaction. I think it'll, yeah, I think it's gonna be popular i hope it'll get a season two but we'll get into that later 
Um, but I don't think it'll be like a household name like Bridgerton yeah. is, to be honest. Right. Just because it's like fantasy and unless it's like game unless something's like game of thrones or lord of the rings most times fantasy adaptations don't really like get as big i will Mm -hmm. say i wonder if this was netflix like because all of the streaming platforms right now i think are trying to be trying to make the next Mm -hmm. game of thrones like i know amazon has lord of the rings disney plus has percy jackson which is not really game of thrones like at all but you know like everyone's trying to be the next big fantasy thing so i wonder if netflix is trying to do that with this maybe there are this is their there have i was yeah. wondering that too because they did put they put a lot of money into the show it was a high budget you know mm-hmm. type of thing it was based on a very popular book series based on two very popular book series actually so it already had a built-in audience from that and they for in terms of netflix they promoted it pretty you know more mm-hmm. than yeah. they do normally with their shows so i yeah. think I don't, I don't like it. Like I said, I don't think it'll take off like Bridgerton did, but I think it'll, you know, maybe find more of an audience outside of book readers too. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, we will talk about what we think, what might could possibly happen in a possible season two. But I do think um, one, there was a rumor before the season had even dropped that it had already been renewed. So there's that, um, and also there were some articles released recently from the creators talking about a possible season two. So we'll talk about that later. So. We're going to get into spoilers now. And so if you have not watched the show yet, go on Netflix, binge watch the first eight episodes of the season, and then you can come back and listen to the rest of our thoughts. But before we get into all of our spoilers, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. And we're back. All right. So now we're going to get into some spoilers. So I figured we would go through our main characters because I think we'll get through everything that way. Yes. So let's start with our actual main character, Alina. So I'll go first on this one. Um, so in the books, um, Alina was tied for my favorite character. Um, I felt more so towards the end of the trilogy than the beginning. So I'm trying to keep that in mind. I think that was really difficult for me is to remember that the Alina that I fell in love with was more after her character development. So in the first book, she's not as good of a character and but she wasn't as strong of a character as she was later on in the trilogy. So that was something to keep in mind. Because I gotta say, Alina is not my least favorite character in, in the TV show, but she was, I did not love her as much as I did in the books. And I think, one, I think it's because there were other characters who were a little bit more, had a little bit more going on with them. And two, I think because the books were in Alina's perspective, we obviously got to see, hear more of her thoughts. We kind of understood her more. We kind of saw a little bit more of her flaws and like all of that. Versus because the series then wanted to flesh out some other characters, so we'll get there. I think that did go to the detriment of Alina and it did feel like a lot of her decisions were very much other people's decisions um, until I think the very, very end, which, which is why I'm like not super upset about it because I do think that we're leading into Alina becoming more of her book character. So that was my main thoughts on Alina. Yeah, she wasn't, I don't know. I, in the first book, I liked her, but I didn't love her quite yet. So I think um, but I think the Jesse, Jesse Maley. I Googled it a- during the first episode. That's how okay, I know. Cool. Yeah. This is going to be the whole episode. I don't know any of the actors' names. I'm so sorry. Um, but Jesse Maley, she did a good job with Alina. Yeah. I think I liked her portrayal of her. I could definitely see some of Alina's personality from the book. Just like, I don't know, just like, I can't explain it, but like in the, just her mannerisms and the way she, I guess, delivered lines and stuff like that. It really showed Alina's personality from the books, which I really appreciated. And again, she didn't have 
too much of a personality in the first book or too much like development yet. So it shouldn't have a ton to work with, but I think she did a really good job with what she did have to work with. And um, yeah, I, uh, especially towards the end of the season, like Shruti was saying, she, you know, comes into herself a little bit more. And yeah, that's uh, my main thoughts about Alina, I guess. I agree. Um, I also didn't like, she's also tied for my favorite in the Green Street Trilogy, but she's tied with Nikolai, not Mal. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, <that's> <laughs> um, but I, I didn't feel, I didn't love her as much in the show either, but sure, you make a good point when you're talking about how, like, I realized I don't really love her until like book two. I feel like in book right. one, I was like, she's yeah. fine. So right. that probably is why, um, why I didn't love her in the show because she's going to get better in season two if we get that. Um, another thing, another reason that also y'all have pointed out is the other characters were there and more interesting because we we're seeing more of them. Yes. And I know I said like the crows being in the show, like made the show better than it would have been if they weren't. And that's true to me still. But I think at the same time, the crows being there means that I cared less about the other characters, which is exactly. probably not what they wanted me to do. Um, so yeah, there was that. I will say one thing relating to Alina that I had a criticism of is in the book, she doesn't kill the stag which is towards the end of the season. I guess I'm jumping ahead, but I'm going to keep doing it. Um, she doesn't kill the stag and um, the Darkling kills it. And then the Darkling uses her and she's like trapped. And then she gets out of the situation because the stag like is like, thank you for not killing me. Here you go. You're free. And so she's like, because she showed mercy to the stag, like she gets out of the situation. I'm explaining it really bad, but it was a really good moment in the book. And I love, because I love animals and I was like, so true. Don't kill animals. <laughs> it helps you, it helps you win against evil. Um, but in, um, the, the show, I feel like they glossed over that really hard. Like, I mean, there was that big moment where she meets the stag in the finale, but like the part where like in the book, she's like, we cannot kill. We can't, we can't do this. Like we can't do it. In the show, there wasn't really that moment. And I, I, I missed that. I wish we had had that. Yeah, I feel like so that whole I that whole like plot part of it is probably the my best like the best Alina moment is obviously when she realizes, hey, because I didn't kill the stag, this still still part of me and I can like take back this power. And so obviously that's like the big Alina moment, like the yeah. climax. Um and her line there about like I never needed you is obviously like the big badass moment for Alina. Um and I think but yeah, so I, I definitely agree like they didn't kind of build up to it as much. And I think they leaned more into the fact of like it was more of her versus Darkling versus then her just naturally being good and yeah, yeah. I think mm -hmm. that was more what they leaned into versus and I so I definitely agree in that and I'll get to we'll we'll talk about the Darkling in a bit um but I did so yeah I'd agree with you that, that we didn't do that but that was handled differently um another thing that the that you that reminded me of another thing that I feel like they kind of glossed over with Alina is the initial scene on the skiff when she first uses her powers I thought that scene was kind of weirdly done it, to be honest like I was watching it and they were first of all the guy like lights a lantern for some reason even though she told them not to which I don't <laughs> really he's remember dumb. how that yeah I was just like okay and then he drops it and it catches on fire no one puts the fire out no one really does anything. They all just kind of stand there as they get taken away by Volcra. Whereas in the book, they're like fighting. There's like people shooting and stuff. 
in the show they're all just kind of standing there and i was just kind of like okay honestly like, me, what in is that situation i would be like all right they were no I'm, but I'm like fighting. all of them were even the ones with mal was like shooting a little bit but he was like the old they show like maybe like like one or two people there's like one or two shots right. fired i was just i, I think the, i watched it twice and both times i yeah. was like what the fuck is this and then the okay so there was one thing i liked about the scene i'll get to that in a second but the worst part about it was they just they don't really show alina's power they just show her face mm -hmm. light up and then they cut away and you see the ship like glowing and i was like okay uh, again with no one who's read the book really fucking knows what's going on here yeah and two it was that was a big moment for alina and they just like showed the, her face start to glow which like I so i i agree and i think i'm just gonna i think part of it and why they did probably did is they wanted to do that like like that little time thing with the crows and how like oh it's actually two weeks later when you get to the crows and you see alexi yeah. and all of that and because when you see alexi's flashback then you see her um, glowing and you can kind of see it, but you're right. You don't get to see it it's, from like her perspective. Yes, and like, it's a, yeah. it's a big moment in the book and it felt really glossed over. And it honestly, it was frustrating to watch because they just, there were, were there no, what are the like water Grisha called, whatever, tide were, there makers. No, were there no tide makers on board to put out the, like, it was just weird. It just, yeah. it, it made no sense to me. That was probably my least favorite scene in the show for that reason. So I was like, this is dumb. Um, the one thing I did like about it though, was um, this is spoilers to the Grisha trilogy. So like, hopefully you're not still listening if you haven't read the Grisha trilogy, but they made it. This is one of the many hints they dropped in the show that Mao's the amplifier. Yes. They are sprinkling the hints early and I love it. She grabs him and then mm -hmm. her powers activate. Then she starts to glow. And I was like, I see you. I fucking yes. see you. That was really cool. That was the one thing I liked about that scene. Yeah. But overall, that scene was kind of a bummer for me, to be honest. I think the so when i was talking about how the cgi was good except for sometimes it wasn't anytime mm -hmm. her face glowed i was like yeah. this looks like ass. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly this looks like, like ass what is this and then the other thing i feel like the reason why their their reasoning for not showing alina's like full power during that scene is they were probably like thinking that that is a big thing that should be saved for later and they don't want to give it all away at the beginning like kind of how mm -hmm. like how in jurassic park like they don't show the dinosaurs am i thinking of jurassic park Jaws or Jurassic Park, one of those. They don't show the shark or the dinosaur or whatever movie I'm thinking of until later on, so you like see the full effect. I think that was their reasoning, but I agree that it was it would be confusing for people because they're like, wait, like if I had yeah. just if I was on Netflix, I was like, let me watch this random show that has Ben Barnes in it. I would be like, what is she doing? I wouldn't get it. So yeah, it was yeah. confusing, but I think that's what they were trying to go for. Yeah, it was just I don't know. To me, it was it was just weird. Um, so I think the other major part about um, the changes to the series was with Alina's character and making her part two. Um, and I think also with Mal, they made him biracial as well, although they never really explained what was going on with that, but well, whatever. Um, so very much part of the season throughout was this idea of there was racism against the shoe. And so Alina faced that in a couple different ways. Um, there was times where, you know, there was very outward, like, hey, you have to get back in the line or you know, people like looking at her weird and making like microaggression comments and stuff like that. Uh, I think there was even a couple posters that they had written or a couple posters they had put posted that looked weird, like that looked racist as well. Um, so I was just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I've seen a lot of like naturally some thoughts on this, both positive and negative. Um, I have seen some people being like, it's a fan issue show. We don't need to insert racism in something that's supposed to be escapism. And I think that's valid. 
Um, and I definitely agree. And I've talked about this before when we talked about Bridgerton about how like I'd rather they had not addressed race at all. Um, but I actually disagree in this particular context. I think they actually did a pretty decent job. I wish they had talked a little bit more about like why are people against the shoe and like all of that. But I understood that having known the books that they haven't really explored shoe the shoe hand or anything like that. So like I wish I hope that they would do that in the future. But I particularly loved it because I think it gave Alina's character a little bit more depth because instead of just being the typical YA heroine who's just like, oh, I'm not pretty and no one likes me, but really I'm actually awesome. It was no, no one really, everyone was underestimating her because they were racist. And I thought that was a really cool twist on it and nice way of developing her character. Um, And honestly, my favorite Alina moment, besides the one at the end, you know, when she's standing up to the Darkling, is when she tells Jenya not to change her eyes um, when she's in the palace because I thought it was like a really mo- a really great moment of yes she's faced she, yes she faces racism but at the end of the day she's still proud of who she, what she looks like and that's okay and she's learned to accept that and I do think part and that does inform her relationship with Mal as well but I so yeah I just wanted to bring that up because it was something that they changed specifically for the show yeah um I yeah I you know what you're saying is valid I also think other people's concerns about it are valid too um, the one thing that I wonder how they're going to handle is, um, I guess it's not really a big part, so they could pretty much leave this out. But in the book, um, the Shu, they stay away from Shuhan because they um, experiment on Grisha. Like they just, they only want Grisha so they can do like experiments on them and stuff. So I'm hoping that they leave that out of the show because that could add like a different kind of twist on it, I guess. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I also, I also think it was handled well in my white person opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree about Alina's character. I think like she is a very stereotypical in the book. She is a pretty stereotypical like YA protagonist, which is fine because that book came out when that was a thing. But that just that just wouldn't hold up today in twenty twenty one. People don't care about that stuff anymore. So I think they definitely had to do something to add to her character. And I think that this was a good way to to flesh her out more and like move away from like the stereotypes of the, the stereotypical YA heroine. Cause we just don't, there's just no room for that anymore. So I thought that was good. And again, like I mentioned this earlier in like one of our other episodes, but I think like introducing racism into this world, like I get the thing about how it's fantasy and it shouldn't like it, it it shouldn't be in fantasy but also like the grisha books take place in russia (laughs) fantasy russia but it's russia so it's very like like with game of thrones uh i've never so like i think i've never read game of thrones maybe i shouldn't talk about game of thrones well so no i i agree with you and i think i think the best thing i read about it i think the reason why this works better than other fantasy racism like metaphors is usually in other fantasy novels when they do racism it's a metaphor and like the people who right. are being racist against are still white, right? Or there's something else going on, but they're still technically white. Whereas I think what I liked about it here is it it's not they're being racist against someone because of their race, like actually yeah. because of their race. And I think that is why it feels a little bit different. And it's not like a made up reason of discrimination. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Like it's based, these countries are based off of countries that we know right. that really exist. Right. So it, it, it works a little easier, I feel like. Mm-hmm. All right. So next we're going to talk about the Darkling. Um, shall I go first with my hot take? 
Shall we start sure. off with my hot take? Start, start off. off with your hot take. I think Book Darkling is a better character and a better villain than Show Darkling. Now, before, let me explain. One, I love Ben Barnes. Ben Barnes is awesome. I think he did a great job with the material that he was given. So any of my complaints are all with the writing, not with Ben Barnes's acting, because I do think he did the best that he could with what he was given. My issue with the Darkling, especially in the show, because I think in the book, even in the book, so this is the thing, in the book when I was reading it, I never like liked Darkling and Alina together, but I at least like felt it and I understood where it was coming from and I felt their chemistry and I was like, okay, I can see why people like like this. I can see where this is going. Um, and when there was that betrayal, it was like, I so totally saw the betrayal coming, but it was still felt, it felt, it hurt because, you know, you were like, oh, he's really manipulating her and I hate him for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And he was very cruel and he was greedy and all those things. Great. I did not feel any of that in the show. And I think this is one of those times where I'm going to point out that chemistry is very much subjective. So some people can see chemistry in, in two actors and some other people cannot see chemistry in those two actors. Now, I'm not going to say that, um, that there wasn't chemistry between the Dark Queen and Alina. There was. Their kiss was great. It was all fine. But I just was not digging the Darkling in this. Like, I didn't feel him as a villain. I didn't feel him as, like, someone you're supposed to sympathize with either. Like, I didn't get anything. I don't know. It felt like a low-grade bad boy is really what I got from him. Like, he didn't feel evil to me. I mean, that's what he's supposed to. He's supposed to feel, like, this menacing, charis- like, he's supposed to, first half, he's supposed to feel, like, charismatic, and you want, you were like, oh, he's really hot, and, like, I want to get to know him, and that kind of, like, that air of mystery, I did, was not feeling that ever, and maybe it's because I read the books. Who knows? But I wasn't feeling that from him. And then the second half, once he's like betrayed her and you find out like his backstory, you're supposed to like feel for him a little bit because I, I feel like they were trying to humanize him with the flashbacks. You're supposed to feel for him, but then still, you know, be really mad at him. And there were times where I was mad at him, but it was in an uncomfortable way, um, particularly he has a scene with Zoya and then later on with the, with the caller, the big, uh, the big scene with the uh, caller, where I just felt uncomfortable. Like I genuinely was like, I need him to be away from this woman. Like I need him to be away from this young woman right now because I felt uncomfortable. And maybe again, maybe that's like part of it, but I, I, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a good villain. I will say that there were some scenes that he, I did enjoy. And those were usually with, those were like the mouth scene and the cat, cat scenes that I was like, this is fun and I'm okay. And this make this darkling I think works. But I don't know, for the most the majority of the time when I was walked away from this, I was like, the Darkling is not the villain that I wanted him to be. And maybe that will come. But overall, I was like, the show, show Darkling not, not, was not it for me. I'm going to be honest. The Darkling, like, I, I keep forgetting that he's like a big part of the show. Like, for me, all the other characters were such standouts that like, I would, li- I literally forgot about him, to be honest. Like, um because and I think and also I so for that reason I don't really have many thoughts on him I like Ben Barnes I think he did like a good job with what he was given like Shruti said but also kind of like Shruti said in the book and I didn't I couldn't really put my finger on why I was feeling this way until Trudy just articulated it but he does have that air of like mystery like in the book there's something like inhuman about him and in my head in the book I pictured him like I don't know how to explain it but I didn't really picture him as like not that I didn't picture him as a person, but like he was just a person that was like shrouded in like mystery, I guess. In the show, he definitely had a different vibe. It wasn't necessarily bad. It was just different than what I was expecting. And um, yeah, it just made it different. And like I said, like Ben, Dar- ben Barnes did a good job. You know, we love him. We stand. But uh, the Darkling was just 
kind of the most unmemorable part of the show for me but that's also because I was never really a huge fan of the Darkling to begin with so if you like the Darkling maybe it was like a big part for you but for me who has never been a big Darkling person that's how I honestly that's how I felt about him in the books too though like he's a good villain don't get me wrong but he he was just kind of like he's he's the villain you know like I'm not I I don't know he just wasn't all that for me um so yeah I guess those are my that's my biggest thoughts on him but yeah, I, I don't know. He was a big hit with the Darkling fans, apparently. So, you know, good for you guys. <laughs> um, I agree similarly. Um, I also was not a big fan of the Darkling in the books. I also did not retain much of the plot of the books. However, going into the show, I was like, you know, the books, the Gracia trilogy, kind of boring. I think that they need to make some changes to make the books, to make the show not boring. And I expected a lot of those changes to be the dark with the Darkling. And I don't think they really made those changes. Like, I got to be honest, I have no idea what the Darkling's motivation is as a villain. And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Like, see, I agree. And that's a huge thing, especially versus the book where I think his motivation was a lot clearer. So, yeah, yes. go ahead. I yeah. didn't know what it was in the book either. So that's probably just me. Like, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if it. Uh, all, everything I'm going to say, not everything. That part is definitely like probably just me. I have no comprehension skills whatsoever. Um, but I also think like the show was relying on a the fact that they had been Barnes slash the fact that he was hot. Those are two reasons, but it could be combined into one. And B the plot twist where you find out he's evil. And those are good things they had going for them. But in today's day and age, we need more. We need more from villains. Like we have all these superhero movies. Um other movies that exist that have villains in them we have as those as well and like the villains in these movies nowadays are like popping off like I want to watch like when I watch a movie I expect there to be a good villain well okay depends on the movie but you know what I'm saying like I feel like the movies where the villain is like sympathetic are more interesting like if I know what the villain wants and I'm like, you know what? You're making points. You're going about this the yeah. wrong way, but you're making points. That's like, that makes the story so much better. And I feel like they really could have done that with the Darkling. Like, like they could have done that. And I know I sound like a Darklina stand or something. And I'm sure the Darklina shippers would have had like more support. Like if they'd done that, the Darklina, sh- blah, blah, the Darklina shippers would have been like, see, here we go. And you know what? That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. It would have made the story better. So I would have been fine with it. Like, see, I feel like they were trying to do that. I they, feel didn't, like, they didn't succeed. They did not. Correct. I don't think they succeeded because this is my problem. Okay. I think this is another problem I have. One, they had him reveal his first name like already. Oh, yeah. Which, that which I know the Darklina shippers. I yeah. know the Darklina shippers are upset. I'm upset about it, honestly, because I do feel like that was really important to their relationship mm-hmm. was that he felt so comfortable with her that he told her his first name. But they're doing, he's just dropping it out of nowhere. And then now she's going around saying it to everybody too. Like that was weird to me. I didn't, I don't mm-hmm. really know how I, yeah. I don't really yeah. like that. That's a good point. It was actually. weird. Yeah. The other thing was, is so in the books, it's, I, I, from what I remember, it's more that he was very much on the side of the Grisha and he was trying to protect them, but the king was killing all of them. So he kind of lashed out and he took over in order to protect the Grisha. Like that was kind of his was. And then it kind of corrupted him to the point where he got greedy and that he wanted more and more and more. Like that was kind of the motivations there, which however I feel about it, whatever. But at least like he had like motivations that made sense. I feel like the shows was trying to make it like that, oh, 
here's his this girl she's he's in love with who just died so now he's upset and now he's doing this now he's doing it so like it was weird because the whole point of also of Alina is that this is the first time ever he's supposed to have felt something for someone so like that also didn't work and again I sound like a dark Lena shipper right now but that's fine um but like that also ruins that element of their relationship so I don't know and again it didn't his motivations did not make sense to me at all like I do not think they were clear at all because then he turns around and he's trying to control her but like he also is trying to say oh but we're equals and we can rule together together and like I don't know I don't know it was it was just very weird to me yeah my friend um Allie who is all our friends we were talking about the show and she said that the backstory they gave him because he gets like the flashback like Shruti was saying with the 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 girlfriend that dies she felt like that whole scene like felt like a temper tantrum like he was just throwing a temper tantrum and that's why he's evil and yeah I agree which I hate that I'm gonna be Which, honest. That doesn't make a good villain. I I'm gonna be honest. I did not watch that scene. I went on my phone and waited for it to be over. I was like, I <laughs> oh didn't my care. god. I mean, that's valid. Anyways, that's valid. Um, he also the other thing with him for me was that he wasn't scary in the book. The Darkling mm-hmm. is supposed to be scary. Maybe again, maybe it's because he gets really scary in the second book. He that's when he gets like most scary. But he's he's mm-hmm. a little bit scary at the end of the first book. And maybe it's because, like, you know, I know Ben Barnes. I mean, I don't know him. Prince but like, I know, I know him. We are friends. We are Grace's <laughs> friends with him. I know he's Grace's friend. So I was like, yeah, okay, Prince Caspian. No, I'm just kidding. But he <laughs> he just didn't have this kind of, like, scary vibe that he did in the book. But again, he gets extra scary in the second book. That's when he gets... Yeah, and I do like the scene at the very, very end of the season, like the cliffhanger you left off in. And like yes. that was like, oh, that, that I was going to say that. That is like a taste of like, oh, right. we can do that now. That's yeah. fucking right. insane. Yeah. I think season two is when we'll see him look yes. scary. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not too worried I'm about that. For. Right. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that he's not a standout character to you? It's like kind of how I feel too, which is really not the, I don't know if it's just us. It, maybe it is, but like, I know that's not what they were going for. Cause he's the Ben it's and Ben Barnes. Like he's right. probably top build. Like they want us to care about him. He's the most popular cast yeah. member, most known cast member they have. So they, but, and I was fully prepared to like, I wasn't going to like come away a darkling stand, but I was fully prepared to be like really into him. Yeah. Into his portrayal and like his storyline and stuff. And think it was cool, but I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I think I don't I don't know. That's I I felt the same way about him in the books though, where I was expecting to like him had to have a huge impact on like my enjoyment of the book, but like he he didn't. He's I like forget that like he's like a character that people like. Like he's a good villain, obviously, but I'm like, oh, like you know, yeah. like he you want to love to hate mm-hmm. him, right? That's yes. the right the, yeah. the villains you want to love to hate. I just didn't care. I just, I just wanted yeah, him off yeah. I just did not care. Like <laughs> Which I said. Is sad. I did, I, I did not watch his backstory scene. Could not. I know I saw bits and pieces of his girlfriend dies or whatever. I was just like, okay, I already know. I don't care about right. this. I will but say yes. there were a few scenes where I was like, I'm vibing. And they yeah. were, there were two. The only one I can think, I think he had like an interaction with Kaz that I thought was funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait a minute. David, the interaction with Kaz was good, but then he had an interaction with David. Where yes. David yes. Kaz. That was good. Yes. And then. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this was the best thing that ever happened to me. Inej throws oh, yes. a knife at him <laughs> and stabs him. That was good. I can't believe that I was have, well, I didn't talk about this yet because it was a spoiler. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me. I was like my favorite character trying to kill or almost killing my least favorite. Thank you, Inej. I said, <laughs> that's my baby and I'm proud. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Oh, I also really loved his scenes with Mal. I thought like, 
yeah. those were the scenes where I was like, you felt him manipulating and like, yes. you could feel it and like the flower thing. And then yes. even later on with the like, oh, you're going to die, but she's like, those all felt like good villain scenes. And those were the yeah. scenes I vibed with. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. when he was with Alina that I was like, I don't, I'm not feeling it. The, all, the other scene that I vibed with that I wanted to mention is it's in the, it's in the last episode, I think. And he kills all those people on the ship. Yes. And he's like, I'm going to have to give that speech again. Yes. That was a good scene. That was oh a good gosh. line. I laughed at that. Honestly, the last episode, Darkling, felt better than like episode seven, Darkling. I did not like the second to last episode, Darkling. I feel like maybe that's maybe yeah. that's what it was. It was just that it was that one episode. Yeah, he was much that, better like, in the last episode. Work. Yeah. Anyways, do we have any more thoughts on Darkling? Because now that I brought up Inej, I want to talk about the characters I actually care about. Yeah, well, we have to talk about Mal first. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying other characters <laughs> I actually care about. I'm, I'm not going to skip Mal. I'm good on the Darkling. I'm good on him. All right. All right. Let's talk about Mal then. So I'll go ahead and start with Mal, since I am the resident Mal fan, apparently. Um, I loved Mal in the TV show. Like, obviously, I loved Mal in the books already. Like, he was an imperfect character, whatever. He was human, but I loved him. Archie did such a wonderful job with Mal, first of all. His actor did great. Two, I think, because we talked about this before, but because the show was not just focused on Alina's perspective, we got to see everybody else do other things and. Mal was the number one main recipient, like benefactor of this, because you got to actually see, hey, he's gone through some shit and he's still trying to find her. And like Sarah had mentioned earlier, they like dropping some crumbs about his future storylines, which I really enjoyed. I loved all like the hints about how he could always find Alina. Like I was like, that's really funny because he's a tracker, but also he's a tracker. Um, so I really like that. But I have to point out the number one thing, which honestly is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me is Kaz at the very, at the last episode says, well, if he's not with Kerrigan, he's with us. Therefore, Mal is a crow. Therefore I won. You did win. You did that. I, yes. Yeah. That whole scene. We'll talk about that more. Cause I, I want to talk yes. about, I have so much to say about that scene, right. but that was, that was really, mm-hmm. and that was the scene that made me like the most excited to see them all interacting like exactly with the crows and anything, everything. But anyway, I don't, I will get into that in a second, but I also think that Archie, that's his name. You said, yeah, Archie mm-hmm. did a really good job with Mal. Um, he looked and like acted, I guess, did a little bit differently than I pictured Mal, but I wasn't mad about it because, um, I think he embodied like the character of Mal really well. And like you said, they got to kind of expand upon his role because, of you know we see from other perspectives too like that scene where he and Alina were writing letters back and forth you see that Mal was actually writing her letters too yeah that's true you're like this man just like doesn't care about Mm -hmm. Alina anymore he's abandoning her whatever but in the show you see like his perspective and that you know it makes him more sympathetic and of a character I guess earlier on than than in the book I agree. I didn't have a lot of thoughts about Mal. I do think that the actor did a good job. Um, he was fun. I had some good times with him. Um, but I've definitely seen a, several people say that they didn't like Mal in the books, but they did like him in the show. And I think that's yes. because you do get to see his perspective and you see his side of things and you realize like you see more into his life and understand him more. Well, that is the accurate take. The non-accurate take is they changed his character, which is not true. Let me just say that. Now, you, they did take out some things, um, for sure. Like, there are some scenes that I actually kind of wish they had kept in. There's a scene um, where Mal, like, when he comes to the palace, he sees Alina and the Darkling kissing. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of wish they had kept that in, because 
I feel like that's important because now that you've seen all of it that he's been through, he's allowed to be upset that his friend is making out with this random woman, this random guy who's clearly ba- like random woman. Her. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also wish. We'll get there. Um, but I, yeah. So like, I wish some of those scenes, like I wish we could have seen Mal also be an imperfect character because I do enjoy that part of it. I'm sure we're going to see that in the future. But overall, I was like, you know what? That's fine. If more people want to love Mal, that's fine with me. It's too bad that they made him a better character. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, they gave him very much like the hero role in this show. Yes. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, except he definitely felt like the hero of the show in like the stereotypical sense. And he played it really well. It worked well Mm -hmm. in his favor. I think the whole, we kind of talked about this earlier, but the Darkling says something to him in one of the episodes where it's like, someone's going to kill you. And then- Mal brings the line back in the last episode yes. and he tells the Darkling, you're, I don't have to kill you. Your past will do it for me. What is What does the Darkling say to Mal? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but it, that was really good. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't that good because I can't remember it, but I thought it was really good. It was very emotionally satisfying. Like, let's bring it back. Uh, yes. Mic drop kind of moment. I was like, good exactly. job, Mal. Good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was overall yes. really impressed with Mal in the show. Like, I didn't hate him in the books or anything. I liked him in the books, too. But I think they really did a good job with him in the show. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Oh, I have a question. Um, so in the show, Mal keeps dying or almost dying. <laughs> yes. And he should not have been able to survive all of those encounters. No. Is that, does it have to do with him being the amplifier or? or- I think it's just TV. <laughs> I think it's just him being the Rory Williams of Shadow and Bone, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Also, I think that's hilarious, and I I always will love a male character who's just character trait is almost dying all the time, and then just being alive. I'm like, uh, sure, because of love yeah. of a woman. Sure, the, I'll take it. The Rory Williams blueprint, honestly. Exactly. Shout out to exactly. Doctor Who, 2005. <laughs> so now we will get into some characters that I know we are all very excited to talk about. Um, let's start with. Kaz. What are our thoughts about Kaz? My time has come. I get to talk (laughs) about my favorite characters. So Kaz in the show, like I said, Freddie was the hardest sell for me as Kaz. And I'm trying to be fair because I have, you know, I read Six of Crows so many times all these years ago. So I have like very specific images of them in my head. I have very specific for like the way they talk. So I was trying to go easy on the actors which um, I'll get into this later. The other two were, you know, I didn't have to, or I guess the others, I didn't really have to go as easy on. I had to go really easy on Freddie Carter though, because first of all, Kaz having a British accent, he was the one whose British accent threw me off the most. I can't lie. I did. I, I still have trouble wrapping my mind around Kaz Brecker with a British accent. I did not expect to have so much trouble with it, but I did. But I think by the end of the show, I was okay with Freddie as Kaz. He wasn't Kaz in the in the book to me, I pictured him as a very like serious, like kind of more not emotionless, but he presents himself as emotionless around most people in the show. He was much more expressive, which again, it's not bad. I, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be reserve my my criticism because I have very specific images in my head, but he was more, he was, I think it took me a while to pinpoint my finger on why he wasn't like how I pictured Kaz and it was just because of how like expressive he was even like his tone he was more like he wasn't as dark I guess in terms of like 
mood or like the way he presents. I don't really know how to explain it, but he just didn't have the same vibe as Kaz in the book. And that might have something to do with the fact that this is supposed to be a prequel to Six of Crows. So, you know, it could be a fair argument to be made that maybe he'll get to be more like that as the show gets on if the events, you know, lead up to that. I don't really know, but I feel like his backstory, his like really sad backstory from Six of Crows happened before this. And that was what kind of made him into the character he is in Six of Crows. Um, And I think, um, I don't want to blame it all on Freddie Carter. You know, the other people had, they made choices in this too, um, but he played Kaz differently than I expected. I didn't hate it, especially towards the end. I had like kind of accepted him as Kaz, um, but it was, you know, I guess I wanted a little bit more what I pictured in the books, but I was, I ended up being okay with Freddie Carter's Kaz. And I did like the story, you know, just the Crow storyline in general. I think they did really well, which I was not expecting. They integrated it with the first book flawlessly. They found a way to work things in super well, especially with Kaz, it didn't seem out of character with him because when he first heard about the job, he was like, why would I do that? Like, I'm not crossing the fold. Like, are you insane? Then when he heard about the money, he was like, okay, like maybe we'll think about it. And then when they heard, when he heard Pekka was going to get involved, then he really was like, then when he heard Pekka, he was like, okay, now I got to get in on this. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'll shut up for right now. What did you guys think about Kaz? I think the reason why the vibe of Kaz in the show is different than it is in the book is because I think a lot of the crows scenes in the show were comedic. They were comedic relief. And like, that was mainly Jesper, but like Nina and Kaz played into that too. (laughs) I get, I get all these characters names mixed up. Inej and Kaz played into that too. Um, so I think that's why he had a different vibe. Um, but I was fine with it. I do not have years of um, opinions of these characters. So I'm very freshly coming into this, but I had a good time. I had a good time. I think I agree that he was different. Um, the actor is, I think he did a good job. And I think he kind of looks like how I, I imagine cast to look. He, he does. Looks, he, looks he looks like very how, interesting yeah. is what I will say about him. You know, yeah, he's got got an interesting face. Yes. And he does. I forgot to mention that he does kind of look like how I picture Kaz. He just acts a little bit differently. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, um, there were like two scenes that kind of stuck out to me is like to like how this Kaz is different. So one was like there's the one bit where it's the other guy whose name I can't remember, Arkin, the one who takes him over the the conductor. Um, he's the one who comes up with the plan for them to like hide in the caravan, which the Kaz Brecker in Six of Crows, that would never happen because he would be the one coming up with all of the plans. He's the mastermind. Yes. And I think that the idea here was that he's not quite there yet. Like he, this experience, this whole experience of trying to find Alina and coming back kind of helps him figure out, okay, I'm going to be a better maker of plans now. And I, so I kind of like that. Like he wasn't quite there to that level of competency that we're used to. So like we got to see that journey. So I like that part of him. And I do think that was one of the reasons why he's not, quite didn't feel quite as like Kaz-y yet but the one scene that I think my favorite Kaz scene which says a lot about me but well it's not my favorite Kaz scene but one of my favorite Kaz scenes is when he's killing he's there's one guy and he's killing him and he's talking about how um you as long as you can't you can't um you can't root you can't what's the word 
you can't use your powers if you only have one hand. So he's like, kill it. like he's cutting off this guy's hand. And then of course he finds out that's false. Um, and that was like a very Kaz Brecker moment with that line about like him being very like cruel and not it, cruel is the right word, but then like, I don't know, it was just very Kaz. Um, and I think that has, so he has elements of that Kaz and we can see that Freddie can act those elements. So I do think it's less Freddie and more the writers who was like, because, yeah. and I think it's kind of what Grace was saying about, I think they were trying to make the pros more comedic. They weren't trying to go into that dark, gritty place yet. And yeah. I'm wondering, and I think because if I think about Six Six Pros, that job had a lot more personal stakes versus this one felt like it didn't. And that might be why it didn't feel as like heavy yet. Yeah. And I think the crows had the most potential to be comedic out of all of mm-hmm. them, because in the book, there are comedic moments in the book where they're all just kind of like, right. I guess, joking around. Um, but it, but yeah, I feel like with Kaz, for me, sometimes they took it a little bit. I know I actually like the scenes where he was funny, like that scene where Inej refers to Jesper as Jess and he like ignores yes. everything she says. And he's like, Jess, that was good. like whatever that was, that was, pro- that was, that was pretty funny. And that was definitely, I think Kaz in the book would have done the same thing. Like, okay. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I did end up being happy with, you know, Kaz in the show at the end. I was just happy. I just liked the role of the crows in general. Um, that I loved the, his interaction scene with the darkling like you guys mentioned before that yes. was a really great scene it was I was real hype when that happened yes. I was like oh let's yes. go yes and just getting to see them in the context of the Grisha trilogy was I it was one of those things that I wasn't expecting to love but I really really did especially in the last episode all of the scenes on the skiff were just so cool to see it was so fun they're interacting. I mean, it was scary, obviously, with like the Volcra and everything. They were like interacting with all the Grisha characters. And so many dynamics came up that I did not expect. Yes. With Mal yes. coming in and everything. And then also that scene where they think they have Alina kidnapped, um, where they have yes. her in the trunk. And then she gets out and they're like, all right, you're kidnapped. And she's like, like um, no, I'm not. No. Yeah, <laughs> that was away. good. Yeah, that was that was really well done. So I think thinking about this, I think the reason why Kaz felt different, and I was just thinking about this, is he felt more like a teenager in the show versus in the book, he feels a lot more like an adult, even though, you know, even though he isn't, he is a teenager in the book, he felt more adult, like versus here, he felt like a teenager. And part of that might've been because we were seeing him and he looked mm-hmm. younger. Um, yeah. But I do. Yeah. yeah. So I think that might've been part of it. But um, yeah, I just really love, I agree. I like all of his interactions with like all the random characters. Um, and I think this is a good point to bring up his relationship with Inej and that how that was done um we're all like yes because <laughs> this I think very much they did I think they did a very good job of like building up that tension like sh- establishing hey these are two characters who know each other who care about each other and they're not willing to say anything about it because they have all kinds of other crap going on in their life but they definitely care about each other and I want to point out two moments two of my favorite Kaz and Inej moments number one is when she's handing over his knife, her knives to him because the tension in that scene of just handing over knives was chef's kiss, beautiful. I loved it. That was great. They had um, great that, chemistry, Freddie and yeah, Anita. They do. Yeah. And the other scene, um, for a couple of reasons I also enjoyed, was um, so Inej was asking Kaz, like, what do you believe in? Which is similar to a book, the scene from the book. Um, but, you know, it's a different take on it. But they did a lot of that. They had like very similar book scenes to the books and lines from the books, but it was like in a different context, which I enjoyed. Um, and 
basically like, what do you believe in? And she, he's like, I believe in myself. And she's like about to leave. And she's like, but I believe in you. I believe in Jesper. I believe in like, basically like saying found family, like basically like split out a whole found family crows monologue. Yeah. And that was like beautiful mm-hmm. and perfect. And I love that. And I then think of course, that was my know, favorite scene in the show. I yeah, watched yeah. it twice. It was good. Yes. And yeah. that scene was so perfect because even though it wasn't in the book, it really felt like a true Cass and Inej moment because that's something he mm-hmm. would only say to Inej. He would never in a million years say that to anyone other than Inej. And it was just those two. And because he, she's the only person he's really like vulnerable with. Yeah, exactly. Their their relationship was really well done in the show. I was interested. I am interested in seeing how Kaz and Inej's backstories are both incorporated in the show because Kaz's backstory is pretty dark. Um, Grace mm-hmm. sent a text to the group chat when she's reading it. Like, I hope they don't include this in the show. I was so scared. Like, it traumatized me. It's really, I don't like I would have name. to fast forward if they showed in the show. Like, yeah, dead ass. I, I was thinking the same thing. So um, I'm interested to see how they incorporate that in the show. They hinted at Inej's backstory in the mm-hmm. show, too. So I think they will go into that one a little bit more. Um, so and how their backstories kind of like impact their relationships today. And they didn't show, I feel like they could have shown more of an emphasis on the fact that Kaz wears gloves all the time. They didn't really put too much of an emphasis on that. But again, maybe they'll like, they'll do that. I don't know. I don't know where the show's going to go. But uh, the other part that I really liked was the first scene, the first Kaz and Inej scene of the show where he walks Mm -hmm. in the room and he sees the windows open and he just knows that Inej is in there. And then he doesn't even look up and he's like, hello, Inej. Like that, I, <laughs> yeah. uh, I yelled. I'm not gonna Yeah, lie. that I, was good. I yelled. I yelled so. during a lot of their scenes. And that was why my sister was like, haven't you yeah. read the books? Yes. And I was like, yes, Madeline. <laughs> yes, but, K- but it's different superiority. Exactly, I don't know exactly. Um, yeah. And I they- also, I really, I really love this. I really loved his opening moment with the cane like on Jesper yes. like with Jesper we'll get to Jesper but mm-hmm. the cane and then like shot to him I thought that was a really great establishing shot for Kaz and I thought that was it was, really wonderful. It, was. Yeah, the it was club. yeah him and Jesper in the crow club that was a good introduction to both of them and Inej's was a good introduction too yeah. and I really hope another reason I hope they get a season two so we can get please my darling Inej treasure of my heart won't you do me the honor of acquiring me a new hat <laughs> scene yes That's all I want <laughs> So we've kind of already been talking about her, but let's formally talk about Inej now. Um, so I'll start. Um, I loved her. I thought Amina did a wonderful job with Inej's character. I think Inej was the character the most different from the books, but I think it worked out in the best way. So I think this is actually my favorite version of it because they started with Inej being, she was she had never killed anyone before. And that was like a really big part of her journey this season was that she didn't want to kill and she hadn't killed anyone, but then she did for Kaz, which... I also screamed at that moment. Um, so I thought that was really awesome because in the books, we've already seen her at the point where she's killed many people and like that's something she's used to and she's like, that's part of who she is at that point. So I thought that was really awesome. We get to see that journey. And I think they also really emphasized her faith, um, which I really, really enjoyed as well. Because I also love when people have faith in fantasy novels and it has like nothing to do with like these gods or anything. It's really just to like this idea of like a saint and like this idea of, I don't know. It was just really awesome. And then her and Alina actually getting to meet and like that, that whole, that whole like mini storyline, that subplot was my favorite as well. Yes. And Nej getting to meet Alina made my heart so happy because, you know, in the book, she has one of her knives named Sancta Alina. Mm -hmm. So it was so, 
it was, I just, it was a really nice touch for the show to kind of emphasize that Inej, you know, Alina was really important to her and everything, even before she even knew who Alina was, she talked about the sun summoner and how, you know, she fully believed that there was a sun summoner and like Kaz and Jesper kind of like, you know, laughed it off, but she was like fully, you know, in on it. And um, yeah, like you said, Inej, she was definitely different from the book. Um, Amita, the actress though, looks exactly how I pictured Inej. Mm-hmm. Like, when they casted her I was like yes this is what Inej how I pictured her to look she's probably in terms of like looks she looks closest to how I pictured Inej in my head um but yeah they did change some things about her which again similar to Kaz it like threw me off at first but as the show went on it did um it it worked I think and um it was really cool. Like you pointed out how we get to see kind of her beginnings before she becomes who she is in six of crows. They hinted at her backstory a little bit. And I do hope they go more in depth in that if there is a season two, hopefully. And yeah. And the cat, the Kazanej relationship, like we talked about was done super well. And yeah, that's what, a what else did you guys think about an I agree that she looks like exactly like Mm -hmm. she's described in the book. I thought that was really cool. And I also really enjoy like the fact that she's like really religious, which is a thing in the books too. Yeah. But I think it's cool. It's a, it's just a nice little, nice little characterization kind of thing. Like she's like really religious and like faithful and stuff, but she's also like really tough at the same time. And that these Mm -hmm. things exist in a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. Um, And I, I, yeah, the thing where she wouldn't kill anyone kind of confused me because that's not really it's not really a thing in, is it a thing in the book no she has so. she had killed many she, people yeah okay mm-hmm. i was confused by that i was like since when i did i pay attention to six of crows so i'm glad that that's not a thing in the book because i was very confused by it but it was it i did enjoy that journey for her in the show i thought it was cool yeah and i love the way they hinted at certain things in her backstory like how you know she's the only person who was ever able to sneak up on cause but obviously she doesn't you know he can always tell when she's there now oh so inej was she's my favorite character in six of crows um so i was really excited for um amita's portrayal like a, like uh and i think she did a really good job like i said so i was overall happy like i said i wish things had been a little bit closer to the six of crows book with her but we would have had to have just like a six of crow show for that to happen so um I'm happy with the way things played out in this one and yeah just yeah yeah mm-hmm. I mean yeah like Inej was definitely tied for my favorite in six of crows mm-hmm. so when we first when I first saw her and it was just like she did definitely feel different but I definitely saw that like it's they're very much setting up her to be where she is in six of crows I think that was very much what they're doing like uh, with all of the crows, it was very much like prequel. Like you yes. could tell, like they're not there mm-hmm. quite yet, but we're we're getting yeah. there. And I, yes. I like I like them like giving us those crumbs. There were a lot of crumbs throughout this <laughs> series. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Anything else on an edge before I make that transition? <laughs> make the transition. Make the transition. Speaking of crumbs everywhere, let's talk about Jesper. Um, before we even get into Jesper, um, I, I want to get the negative thing out of the way first before I talk about Jesper. So the negative thing is Kit Young did a great job. He's the guy who played Jesper. He did an awesome job. However, I very much wanted, would have preferred if Jesper was darker skinned. And I think that was my, I went into that. I was like, let me just say that, get that out of the way. 
because from the descriptions, I always imagined someone who was darker skinned. Even when I had first read this like four years ago, when I first read it, I was like, oh, Jesper is like really dark skinned. And I loved that. In all the descriptions um, of the book he is and in like the official art and stuff he is. Yeah. Right. So Kit did a great job, but there's still that sadness of I wish we had gotten someone who was darker skinned. So having said that, let's go to what we liked about Jesper. Um, I think we can all agree that he was absolutely the funniest character of the entire show. For sure. Um, his relationship with Milo, as Grace pointed out earlier, definitely a highlight. So yeah, I think he was meant to be comic relief. And obviously his whole thing with Milo and Kaz and Milo is obviously great as well. Um, but I, the thing I wanted to point out about him and what I actually, there are two things I really enjoyed about him. One, that they went out right at the gate and was like, yes, we are queer. We like men. Um, particularly we like lanky stable boys who look suspiciously like Wyland, just pointing that out there. Um, but I, so I thought that was really great. I do wish they had established a little bit more that he was bi and not just like, you yeah. know, just mm-hmm. entered into the guys. So hopefully they will, but hopefully if there's a season two, they will rectify that. But I did enjoy that they went ahead and were like, yes, I'm a flirt and I flirt with everybody and I like men. Great. Um, but the other thing I really enjoyed were like all these crumbs about Jesper's backstory. So like major spoils for six or six of crows, if you haven't read six of crows, but they like had all these crumbs and hints about him being a fabricator, which I really, really loved. Um, I think the two that stood out to me, one is when they're in the train. And of course he has this really great moment where he's holding Milo and he's like calming him down. And then he's like shooting all the Volcro. There's a point where his gun gets stuck and jammed and you see like this close up and you're like, wait, wait, what's happening? And then you see like, oh, it gets unjammed and then he's able to shoot again. And if you did not, had not read the books and you weren't aware, you're like, that's just weird, random thing they threw in there. But no, that was him manipulating this metal in there. And then of course there's the later fight scene where he like shoots the, he's shooting these, his bullets are like getting, going in weird directions and the heart render, or actually I don't know who it was, but like the other character was like, oh no, you're right. And then he gets shot because he was about to say it. And you're like, oh, he's about to say the thing. And yeah. Um, so that was really fun. It was really fun. I watched both of those scenes twice because I thought, I was like, are they trying to, is this what they're trying to do? Are they trying to imply that? And after watching the second time, I was like, no, I don't think that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they so literally they showed in the gun though they listen it, listen like- listen it was really dark first of all and second of all any anything that happens to me i blame on having covid in january even though it's been many <laughs> months i am dumb now i don't comprehend anything there's nothing in my brain anymore I think uh, also for me, I was specifically looking for like Six of Crows crumbs. So I was like, oh, I wonder if they'll me. give hints about this. Oh, I wonder if they'll give hints about that. So I well, think when it was because I was looking for it. When he stood up on the train, I was like, oh my God, wait, is he about to use his powers? And then I was like, oh, I guess he's not. He didn't. Just going to be a sharpshooter. Yeah. <laughs> Just gonna speaking, shoot, of, so that's um, fine. <laughs> speaking of Six of Crow crumbs, I need to bring up my absolute actual favorite moment of the entire series, hands down is in episode two at the very beginning when Kaz is like, why do you keep asking for demolition experts? Why do you always want a demo guy? And Jesper's like, I just want a demo guy. I lost it, you guys. I absolutely <laughs> lost it. It was so they, perfect. Like they, I was like, you put that, that in a, there for us. In there. You did oh, that they for absolutely us. put that in there for us. And yes. I was like, I want Wyland now. And then of course they threw in a stable guy who looks so much like Wyland except for the red hair. Mm-hmm. I was like, where is Wyland? Give me Wyland now. Where anyway, they Wyland? dropped Wyland hints. I was hoping Everything. they would drop more Nikolai hints, but they didn't. That's okay. Mm. Like, yeah, that's okay. That's Wyland's okay. more important anyway. Wyland. 
I would just like everyone to know that Sarah is like frozen. She's gone. She's just like, I'm not going to talk anyway, anger. anyway, we love both Wylan and Nikolai in this house. <laughs> and um, what was I saying about Wylan? Nikolai? Wylan? Yeah, I was saying Nikolai. And I said, I was hoping for more Nikolai crumbs, but they did. I did like all the Wylan crumbs because they really did that. They did that for us. Like they the did. demo yes. thing, they, you know, I really, that's the thing about this show. I really felt like the writers were looking out for me. Like they cared about mm-hmm. me. They wanted to make me happy. And I don't always feel that in book to movie or TV show adaptations. Yes. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. I agree with those statements, even though uh, I also did not re- recognize the <laughs> crumb until Trudy pointed it out. I, in fairness, maybe I just wasn't listening to that part because mm-hmm. she was like, when he mentions a demo guy, I was like, when did he do that? So maybe I yeah. just wasn't listening. Um, moving on though, I just want to say, uh, I read when I was reading Six of Crows, I was like, yeah, I said like, was that a few weeks ago? I don't know. I said that Jesper was probably my favorite. And then when I finished the book, I was like, yeah, Jesper is probably my favorite in the show. He was hands down my favorite. I am obsessed with him. And I agree. I agree that he could have been played by a darker skin actor and he should have, and they could have found someone who was dark skinned that did a really good job, but the guy they got did a really good job. Like yes. he was very charismatic. Yeah. He was very funny. Anytime he was on screen, I was like, oh, let's go. <laughs> let's go. This is going <laughs> to be fun. And the thing I liked about him, he walked the perfect line that Jesper in the books walks where he's the comedic relief, but also there's something else there. And you're Which like, is the best going on kind of character. Yes. Yeah, in he's my the comedic relief, but then there's little hints of like, oh, okay, that's something. It's right. It, he walked it really, he walked it perfectly the way yeah. Jesper in the book did too. I agree. And I think he was the perfect bridge also between Kaz and Inej and like yes. to seeing both the other layers of their characters as well because their friendships were all like really spot on and really well done that I think the trio worked like obviously it sucks that we didn't get to see all six of the crows together because that's part of the reason why we love six of crows but getting these three together I think was a good was a good bridge until we get yeah. there. It was a good he, trio. I like the has, yeah. yeah he and he has a really good relationship with Inej and Kaz. Like, I liked those mm-hmm. dynamics a lot. I think mm-hmm. his dynamic with Inej was, like, one of my favorite parts of the show. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was done perfectly. And even I feel like even in Six of Crows, their dynamic between the three of them, you can tell that those three have been together mm-hmm. the longest in the books. So it made perfect sense for the show to kind of take that dynamic and show, you know, how they kind of have, how, how like, their origin story almost. Yeah. Um, it's not about Jesper, but it is going off of what Shruti said earlier about how, like, they were, like, pretty open about how Jesper is attracted to guys. Mm-hmm. They did that with a lot of characters in this show, yes. I feel like, because mm-hmm. we've got these two background characters who are, like, who are guys who are dating, married. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're, like, they're... I think they were, I think they're supposed to be dating is the implication. They're Grisha. They're Grisha. They're not, I think they have yeah. names and stuff. They're not important. Ivan, like, you don't know their names. It's Ivan and Fyodor. Ivan and Fyodor. Very sorry to you guys. They're <laughs> dating. You can tell they're dating. They are an established he couple. He him a strawberry. They're in the background, but they are there. And then there's also a line um, that's one of uh, Alina's friends, who's also Grisha gives, where she's talking Nadia, about, right? probably, she's talking about Zoya and she's talking about Zoya and the Darkling. And she's like mm-hmm. talking about how Zoya is like into the Darkling. And you expect her to say like, 
I wish the Darkling was into me instead. But instead, she says, I wish Zoya was into me instead. And I was like, all right, let's go. And it was like very background stuff, very minor, but it was very like normalized that there are like right. LGBT yeah. characters in this fantasy world. And I honestly don't think I've ever, I've never seen someone like that right. in a fantasy yeah. show before. Mm-hmm. And it was really well done and I really appreciated it. Yeah, for sure. And it was some, as as a Nadia Tamar fan, that made me happy also because that was leaving the crumbs for that as well in the future. Oh, yeah! I didn't yeah. About that. Oops. <laughs> yeah. I but forgot. no, I also really enjoyed how they were just kind of like, yes, these are characters who are into people of their same gender and that's fine. I was like, yes, I love it. Yeah, especially I agree. Because if you can start doing that in the background, then you can establish it in the future. Because obviously, yes. none of our main couples in the, in this first season were well. There were all of them were like male female couples. So once we get Wylan, hopefully, then we can establish that. And you know, maybe who knows how the future will hold with certain other characters. We may also get a female female ships. We'll see. We'll we'll see how that'd that be goes. great. Yeah, it normalized it a lot, which was, mm-hmm. it was good. I was very impressed. I was not expecting to see that in the show and it was good. Yep. So let's talk about our final two crows. So Nina and Matthias, as uh, Sarah po- pointed out, um, they basically, their storyline is pretty much straight from the book. It's just their prequel story. Um, I loved how I, so I have, I liked, overall, I liked it. I was very happy with them. I think both actors were awesome. I think they both, embodied the energy of their characters. Their chemistry was wonderful. Everything was great. I have two issues. One, just like with Jesper's casting, I do wish Nina's actress had been more like in the book, had been a plus size actress. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to focus too much about the actresses and her body type because, you know, she is who she is and her body is her body. And she acted and she had the energy of Nina, which I really, really loved. But I do wish that there had been someone who had looked more like have been looked more like what was described in the books um, as Nina. Yeah. Having said that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Having said that, they both did a really, really awesome job. Um, I do feel like their story was rushed. Now, I get why they did it because they were obviously trying to establish them at the end being on the same boat as everyone else, which by the way, best part of the entire series, like all of my friends are on the same boat mm-hmm. together. Um, but I wish that they had either, and I think this is probably a like a, cast outside of like a narrative situation of they didn't have the actress for the whole time but I kind of wish they had spread it out a little bit more because I did feel very much rushed because pretty much the entire story happens in episode six like all the important stuff's happen in episode six with some of it also in episode eight um and I wish they either stretched it out more or like even included in the next season I think that would have worked out better but I don't know I get what you're saying I get what you're saying but I don't know what else they could have added like they had everything basically from the book I don't know how much more they could have stretched out like I don't think they wanted yeah like I don't think I wanted them more around right I don't think I wanted more of it I think I wanted it to be spaced out differently if that okay. makes sense like yeah, maybe like, like a little bit in yeah. each episode yeah I get that right um yeah I agree with everything you said um and I I really did love their parts. I was their backstory is one of my favorite. I mean, the whole book. I, I keep saying it's one of my favorite parts of Six of Crows. It is a really good part of Six of Crows. I love their dynamic. And I love that it was basically straight out of the book. And I love all the love that it's been getting. I haven't been going on Twitter mm-hmm. much since the show came out because um I don't want to see everyone else's opinions. No offense, everyone else, but I have been seeing a lot of love for those scenes. And just the the dialogue and, you know, the scene where they're like teasing each other and then she falls off 
the, the into the off the ice, whatever the ice like glacier, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. That was really well done. Um, they they're not my favorite couple, but I do love, you know, their dynamic. And I would say they're not my favorite. Like, I don't like them. I do like them. Um, but it was I, I was really happy with this part. It made me really happy just because it was one of the few things that was straight out of Six of Crows, like pretty much exactly the way that it happened in the book. And that just that made my heart happy. And like Shruti said, they all ended up on the same boat, like that yes. scene at the end where Nina overhears that they're looking for a heart runner. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. It's happening. And she makes like one small comment. To them. I was like, oh, my God, I'm I, I yelled. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. losing my mind. And the other part was how she and Matthias got waffles. That was another part. Right? Yes. Oh, wait a minute. You guys haven't read Crooked Kingdom yet. No, it's but fine. I've we heard what fake. Anyway, but we know what um, happens. Uh -huh. Fake. Anyways, <laughs> they they gave them waffles. They made them eat waffles. That was another part where I was like, "Wow, the writers do care about us. Like they really yeah. are looking out for us." You know, so that uh, that made me happy too. Um, Nina and Matthias are not my favorite couple either, which is strange because they lit their formula <laughs> is literally like everything I look yes. for in a ship. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you why. Well, okay. The reason why they're not is I agree with Shruti that they are rushed and I'll get to that in a second. But the other reason is I had some reservations about them going in because of what I'd heard about the story which is one, I read this review on Goodreads like a few weeks before I watched, before I read Six of Crows that was saying that um, Serpent and Dove by Shelby Meherin, it was, it was a review of that book, is basically discount Nina and Matthias. And I was like, oh, I didn't love Serpent and Dove. I don't know if I'll love Nina and Matthias. And that review, now that I've read Six of Crows, they are right. <laughs> They're so this, right. They're absolutely this, right. Discount Nina Matthias. Uh -huh. If you like Nina Matthias, honestly, you probably will like Surfing a Dove, but yeah, it's not sure. it's not very good. <laughs> but you might like it anyway. Um, and then the other thing, not to be that way, not to be cynical, but I was like, uh Matthias is like a cop, kind of. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about I don't know how I feel about that. Um, by the end of Six of Crows, um, he is changing and he is leaving his cop service <laughs> so I was like okay I think I'm going to be okay with this but at the beginning I had my reservations and so that's that's partly why and then the other thing is like again like I think in the show they were rushed and I think in the book that their backstory is rushed too like it, it I feel like they're too they too quickly are okay with each other yeah that's and how I've I, always that's how I've always felt about them. I would I didn't want to get into it too much because I figure we'll talk about this next week when we talk about the books. But yeah, that's how I've always yeah. felt about them as a couple. I just liked in the show how it was it was it was like copied and pasted from the book. Right. Yeah. Right? Which was and it I, was it the best part? No, but it's like it's copy, you know, it just worked out. And they're more slow burn like mm -hmm. over in the book because yes. in the book um they hate each other at first because one of them is a witch or a grisha killer and the other one's a grisha so obviously they are not going to get along and then they're forced together and they have to work together to survive and then they start to understand each other and then there's some like romantic tension and then nina betrays him and but she does it for a good reason but she, he doesn't know that and so then he hates her again and then six so that happens before six of crows and then in six of crows they're like trying to understand each other again so there's more it's like enemies to friends to lovers to enemies to friends right to, I assume yes. lovers again which is again like something that I I should be into but for whatever reason it's just so, not getting as much 
but in the show you only get that one the backstory part which is the rushed part so i feel like when they expand on it it'll be better but mm-hmm. because we got the rushed part and that's all we've gotten, it feels rushed. And I I do think like they only had eight, eight episodes. They did everything they could with right. them. Um, but yeah. And the only other thing I'll say is that I think they also could have done a better job in integrating Nina's story into the main story because they were very detached from the main story, which I feel like made it hard. Maybe not for me, but I can see general audiences not being as invested in their story just because it had nothing to do with the actual plot and I feel like they could have easily made it more to do with the actual plot like they could have had Nina in the first episode because she is like a Grisha like they could have shown they mentioned her they have the darkly mentioned her like so many times like they could have actually had her show up with him yeah I think they should have had her like at the little palace at some point and then like have I think they could have just had her I think they could have had her in the very beginning at the fold and yeah. then he sends her off somewhere yeah, to at least like get show her, like, him, yeah. show him her like off. giving her. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That would have been, say. that would have mm-hmm. tied it in so much better to the show, but they didn't do that, unfortunately. Yeah, because it felt like it was a separate, like you said, because they integrated the the trio from Six of Crows and the Grisha storyline so well that there's, story did feel kind of other and I think that's going to be one of the more confusing parts for people who haven't read the book because right. at the end of the show they're like hints. why do I care about this yes. yeah yeah exactly at the end of the show it kind of hints that Nina's going to be like joining up with them but like they don't they still don't show it even at the end so right. it's a little bit confusing but um hopefully in season two you know they'll get to so that. I have a lot of thoughts on Nina Matthias I'll save most of them for next week um but my biggest thing here is I went in knowing what happens in Crooked Kingdom and knowing what's going to happen with Matthias's character. I purposely have tried not to be invested in them. And we'll talk next week about how I failed in some regards. Um, But I think, so I think for me, when I was watching it in the show, like they were cute and I really enjoyed them, but I just knew, again, I know what's going to happen. So I was not letting myself get invested in them. So I think that was part of my problem here. Um, The other thing I did, however, I did like, was I felt like Matthias was a lot more sympathetic in the show than what he was in the book. So in these flashback scenes in the book, it felt a lot more, like Grace said, copy. Like it felt a lot worse. Um, but the reason why it works in the book is because you also have all these other characters constantly telling Matthias, you, you know, like, this is not okay. This is not okay. This is not okay. So he was never rewarded for those feelings. So I yeah. think that's why it worked yeah. well in the book. But in the show, they just went ahead and made him a little bit more sympathetic. And like, you can tell a little bit more that he's been brainwashed and like he doesn't necessarily feel like because we get to see him from the beginning rather than at the end when he's betrayed and we don't know why he's been betrayed I think you have like a different viewpoint of him so I did kind of like that but I do agree that because we're only seeing the enemies to lovers portion and not all the rest of it that it does feel it doesn't I don't know for me I don't like this this is the part that I don't really care about with Nina Matthias it's everything after that that I care about with Nina Matthias I think however I did like their end scene that was really soft but I think that for me, Nina and Matthias, where I really love them is everything after this part. So yeah. I did. I think these parts are fun. I'm going to be honest. I liked reading their backstory in the books. I had a really good time watching it in the show. Um, it was, it was, yeah. Like, listen, the, I, I, this is there, the part where I raged quit the book. Like yeah. this is literally the part that made me rage quit the book because right. I loved it so much. I definitely so agree. I think that, yeah. Like I, like I said, I'm going to save most of my thoughts on them for the or you know we talk about the book next week but their relationship is definitely rushed in the beginning but what makes it believable is what happens in six of crows and i right. think that was right. missing from here i think right which is okay because it is only mm-hmm. season right. one yeah. exactly yeah. exactly 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, the only other thing I have to say about Nina Matthias is about Matthias. And um, the guy that plays him is really hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I normally I don't care about these sorts of things, but I literally like paused the show and I was like, because my sister was not in the room at that time. I was like, Malin, it was when he was not wearing clothes. I was like, Malin, you need to come in here and see what this man looks like. Like, I just, you just need to see it. And she was like, you know what? Yeah. And I was like, I know. All right. You can go back now. <laughs> and then I, and then I kept watching. <laughs> I do think that a big part of their appeal, and even though they're so detached from the rest of the story, why people still love them is because they're so hot. And you know what? That's yeah. valid. Yeah, so it, valid. It, it is. It is. Yeah. The only thing I have left to say about anything before we get into season two is, and I brought this up in our group chat a few weeks ago. So I did not realize until a few weeks ago that the show was um, the executive producer or one of them is Sean Levy, who is the executive producer of Stranger Things. And going into the show, I was like, how are they going to merge the Six of Crows characters and the Grishaverse characters? And I was like, maybe they can do a thing like they do in each season of Stranger Things, where their characters are separated into groups and they each have like a puzzle piece of the story and it's not until like the end of the show that they come together and they put lay all the puzzle pieces out and they can see the full picture and that, that's always like a really emotionally satisfying scene you get to watch them all interact and they've been separated the whole season and you get to watch them be together and figure things out and it's really fun and I was like so maybe they'll do something like that and then I found out that this guy was the executive producer and I was like oh my god they are gonna do that and they did I mean obviously it doesn't touch like the level of euphoria that stranger things gives when they do these things but it was still good and i i appreciate it. i appreciated it i That's still all. had plenty of euphoria when yeah, they got, i got they a ton of together. euphoria i did too but like stranger things is like crack <laughs> this i don't really like, like stranger things that much so i appreciate uh, this i love stranger things but that's just me so on that note let's talk about what we want to happen in the future so as i kind of talked about earlier we are fairly confident that there's going to be a season two. It has not been officially renewed yet, but like, it's very possible. So we all have some thoughts and theories maybe of what they could do next season. So Sarah, why don't you go first? I'll keep it short, but I have a whole plan in my head for how they're going to start off season two and they have to follow exactly the plan in my head. Or I'm going to be mad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but so, okay. So they're all in this boat going to Ketter Dam. They go to Ketter Dam and that's where Alina and Mao meet up with Sturmhand, aka Nikolai, because he is a privateer. So of course he's doing like mm. shady stuff. So he's like, you know, Ketterdam is like the hub for like people who want to do shady stuff. So obviously Sturmhand's going to be there. And he's, you know, heard about, and the Darkling obviously like follows him there, kidnaps, like whatever, you know, they get kidnapped at the beginning. That Nikolai is also there. And he like knows that the Sun Summoner is there because he's Nikolai and he has people everywhere. And that's how he finds out about them with the Darkling. And that's how they'll bring Nikolai in, even though they're all going to Ketterdam. So I'm really excited about that. That's like my brief. I have so much more detail in my head, but I'm going to keep it short. I agree I think, with that. Yeah. I think the other thing that they're probably going to do in season two is they're probably, they're probably the big heist is going to be getting Matthias out of Hellgate. I think that's going to be that as a focus of season two. So like while mm-hmm. Alina and Mal and Nikolai are doing their thing, I think they're going to have a heist to get Matthias out of Hellgate. Yeah. And maybe those will, maybe those two storylines will intersect again. I don't know. But um, I do think that's they probably got, what I think they've got to. All of them go get Matthias out of Hellgate and then all of them get run into Nikolai and all of them stay together the rest of the time because that would be 
if the crows like, ran into Nikolai, I would lose my mind. I I would be very excited. <laughs> oh no! I guess they will. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I was making a face. Um, I yes, I would. Far. I would also certainly love if the crows ran into Nikolai. <laughs> Anyways, um, they. The, they set up the storyline really well so that the events of mm-hmm. Six and Crows can start happening during season two, even though technically they all take place after, you know, the third book. Mm-hmm. But I think they can do it in such a way that it makes sense and it works that they can start doing the Six of Crows, such as breaking Matthias out of the prison. Um, yeah, our friend Allie, we were talking about it and she was saying that she didn't think she was saying they that they couldn't stretch Alina's story out for three seasons and that they would have to wrap it up in season two because they can't stretch the crows out till season four to actually do their heist. Right. And yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. They're, I agree. They're going to have to do something because yeah. they can't just go that long without the big heist happening. Like, they've got to have something to do. They can't mm-hmm. kidnap Alina or go after her anymore. That plot is dashed. So they need mm-hmm. something to do in season two. I think they could probably stretch out the heist and, like, maybe just have Matthias in breaking him out in season two um that seems like kind of a stretch to me it for does. Like a big heist of the season i think, I think they might also go ahead well i think they can incorporate them into then i think like that might be half of their storyline and the other half would be more like whatever alina and mel are up to that's what i was them. thinking yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and i think also they'll find a way especially in the third season maybe they'll find a way to incorporate maybe the jerda param i was gonna wait go after that. and that's how you know the big six yeah. pros heist happens in maybe season three yeah yeah i can see that. the other yeah. thing the other thing that has to happen in season two is wylan has to be introduced because yes. he is my favorite um and i think i w- honestly i would think that they would probably do it by like kaz and like he like finding running into wylan and like recruiting him and i think that would be really fun um and then you know obviously we're running into jesper eventually um but yeah so i i'm very excited for wylan as well the only thing is that Wylan gets brought in because he's Vanek's son and right. they bring him along recruited. because they're doing something right. for Vanek. Well, they could do, but maybe Vanek has something to do with like the Alina stuff and that's why it gets brought right. in. Okay. So I think they'll okay. find a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. They'll find a way to, I think yeah. they're definitely not going to do season two without Wylan. I no, really I don't think, think so either. There's yeah. no way. Um, if they do, they would have a lot of angry fans. The just, only thing, yeah. The only thing I don't know what they're going to do is Tamar and Tolia. Like, I don't know how they would mm. incorporate them because I feel like there's too many characters at that point. I wonder, there's still Zoya. There, there's still Zoya. Oh, we didn't even talk about her. We, don't we didn't even talk about in, We don't have time to get into Zoya. Um, I just want to say I stand Zoya and move on. <laughs> I also stand I was Zoya, not a but I did not, show. Like, I did not like yeah. her on the show. I, um, I wish she had been I better in the show. But I wish she had been better stand too. Her. Yeah, I stand. I don't Zoya. like her being racist. So yeah, yeah. She, deserved, she deserved better than what they gave her in the show. Yes. Anyways, I'm. Moral of the story is I'm very excited for season two because once Nikolai and Wylan are here, it's like I have my all my friends around me, all my family mm-hmm. together. It's going to be great, <laughs> and I yeah. really hope that it gets a season two. I do. Listen, too. if we end season two with all of them on a boat, but with Wylan and Nikolai also. I will ascend. I will ascend to my people. Like they've got to be somewhere else other than a boat. They already did the Fine. boat. Whatever. They're going to be in Nikolai's sky ship in his right. flying yeah. boat. There we go. There we go. Exactly. So I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to us as we talk about all of the different things about Shadow and Bone. Um, if you agreed with us, if you disagreed with us, you should definitely let us know. Um, you can tell us on any of our social media. 
Um, one of our social medias is our Twitter, which is at the book hose. Make sure to follow us and message us and also interact with our tweet comparing <laughs> the Grisha trilogy to the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy to Six of Crows. Thank you. You can also follow us and message us on our Instagram, which is at bookhosepod. You can also send us an email at bookhosepod at gmail.com. But you should also subscribe to the podcast and then share the podcast with all of your friends. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye.